The singing of the doxology by the PCC student body begins Pensacola Christian College Chapel. At each chapel service, students have an opportunity to receive spiritual exhortation and enrichment during a time of music and meditation on God's Word. This podcast shares selected recent chapel messages from guest speakers, faculty, and staff. Welcome to the PCC Chapel Podcast. Go with me to 1 Peter chapter number 3, if you would please. 1 Peter chapter number 3. And we're going to begin reading in verse number 8. 1 Peter chapter number 3. And would you follow along with me as I begin reading in verse number 8 this morning. Finally, be all of one mind, having compassion one of another. Love as brethren. Be pitiful, be courteous. Not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing, but contrawise, blessing, knowing that ye are thereunto called, that ye should inherit a blessing. For he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no guile. Let him eschew evil and do good. Let him seek peace and ensue it. For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and his ears are open unto their prayers, but the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. Today I want to preach a, a message, and um, I want to get a little, little personal with you about my, my life and share a testimony with you this morning that I hope is going to be a help to you. Today I want to speak to you about your thought life, your mind, the way you think. And um, what happens then with what you think turns into your actions. Peter is writing this book, this epistle, to believers that are scattered abroad, that are facing much suffering. They're going through many trials. If you were to look at these believers that he's writing to, you would find a group of people that are going through hurt. They're trying to figure life out. They're new believers. They've put their faith in Jesus Christ, and now they're realizing they don't fit in this world, and the world does not want the message that they're teaching and preaching. And because of what they're teaching and preaching, great persecution is coming. And they've got to figure out, what are they going to do with this? What are they going to do with their life that now is to be lived for Christ? How are they going to endure suffering? What are they going to do now that they are believers in Christ, that the world is against them, some maybe even their families now have turned from them, their life is drastically changed, and they're glad for it because their faith is in Jesus Christ, but life is difficult now here upon this earth. The same struggles they had as being humans before are there, they're still there, but now they're facing great suffering and great persecution because of what they believe. Peter is writing to them to encourage them. He's writing this this book about suffering, not to discourage them from, from their decision to follow Christ, but to encourage them, to cause them to see that suffering is a part of following Christ, and to encourage them to stay faithful during this suffering. I read an article just this morning that TikTok is using algorithms now based upon what you view so that they can intentionally influence your mind. They're watching what you view so then they can give you and put things in front of you to influence you. 
to influence your thought life, to influence your mind. Education in our nation today is becoming more about indoctrination in order to influence your mind. They want your thought life. They want your mind. They want to introduce you to things that is going to change how you think and then therefore change how you behave. Suicide rates among 15 to 26-year-olds are on the rise. Pornography is a billion-dollar industry, a billion-dollar business with every attempt to influence your mind and influence your thought life. Depression and anxiety is on the rise. It's causing great despair amongst young people. It's causing great loneliness and hopelessness. It's causing a feeling of fear and worry that is consuming our thoughts and influencing our minds. And this is the generation that you're living in. I have two adult children. My son will be 23. My daughter will be 20 this year. I've had many of conversations with them about the generation they're living in, the one they're growing up in, and what life was going to be like uh, well into their adult years and as they're going to be raising children. I want to tell you a story, if you'd allow me this morning. It might be a little bit different than a normal chapel service, but I, I want to be transparent with you, if you would, please. I've been here for three days now. We're close friends. <laughs> April of this past year, I stood right in the front row of my church that I pastor. It was a Sunday morning. It was a Sunday morning. I got up like any other Sunday morning. I went to church just like I did every other Sunday morning, sat in my office, prayed, reviewed my notes, thought about the service. Everything was fine. Everything was normal. I walked over, just like I always do, across the parking lot, said hi to our security men, hi to our men that are working in our guest services, I walked into the auditorium. I stood in my seat there on the front row like I always do. And two or three songs into that message, something happened. It was like something broke. I just began to weep. I had no idea what happened to me. As I stood there in that front row, I tried everything I could to get myself together. My wife sings on our platform on our praise team, and she was looking at me, and I could tell by the look on her face, she was wondering, what is going on? And I'm trying to figure out in my own mind, what is happening in my mind? What, what is going on? My, this sudden thought of fear and anxiety just overwhelmed me. I mean, to the place where I thought to myself, I can't get up here to preach and in about five minutes, everyone is expecting me to say something. And I just stood there and wept, and wept, and wept. I was able to gather my thoughts together and come up into the platform and preach a message. And I couldn't even tell you, even today, what I preached. I have no idea what I preached that day. I just, in my mind, thought, just get through this, figure out what's going on, and get back to normal but my thoughts and my mind, my, my mind, I just could not figure out what was going on. 
I went to bed that evening and I got up the next day and I thought, well, today's a new day. Today's going to be a better day. But those thoughts of fear, those thoughts of anxiousness, that those thoughts of anxiety just began to flood my mind. I had no idea what was going on. To be honest with you, I thought to myself, I am losing it. I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't get a hold of what was happening. That went on all of April and all of May, and I said to my wife, I went away for a few days, and she came to visit me about halfway through that time just to get away, and I said to her this, I said, I need help. My mind, I can't, I can't get over the fear. I can't get over this anxiety. I, I feel like everything is going to fall apart. And as I sat there with her across that table, I just began to weep. I felt like my mind was broke. I felt like, my, felt like my thoughts were not making any sense. I questioned, I have five children, I questioned with the Lord and I even questioned there with my wife. I said, I don't think I'm a good dad. I don't think I'm a good husband. At the moment, I thought to myself, I'm anything but a good pastor. I'm supposed to have all the answers. I'm supposed to have people are coming to me for advice and counseling, and, and my kids are coming to me about college. My son had just gotten marriage, married and, and uh, uh, coming to me for advice, and, and all of these things are flooding my mind, and I didn't have the answers. And for a moment, for a moment, I said this to my wife. I, for a moment, I feel like God left me. I know he didn't. I know in his word he says, I'll never leave thee nor forsake thee. But for a moment, I, I sat there thinking, he's left me. I was still praying. I was still reading. I was still preaching. I was still doing everything I was supposed to do. There was no sin in my life. It's not like I was involved in some secret sin and, and God was going to expose it. None of those things were the case. My thoughts, my mind... Just in that moment, it just seemed like something happened. I took the entire month of June off, and I went to a counseling, pastoral counseling retreat center, and I sat for 10 days at that place, and every time I'd talk, I'd just cry, trying to figure out in my mind what happened. There was days of loneliness, Being very transparent with you right now, I'm probably being a little maybe too transparent, but there was days I even questioned my calling. God, is this what I'm supposed to do? Is there something else you want me to do? I'd cry out to God, God, why'd you leave me? Why'd you give me a family and a church and a ministry only to forsake me, to leave me here in my thoughts? I couldn't make sense out of. I began to read, and First Peter was a book that was recommended to me as I began to read. I began to read about the suffering that we as Christians will be going through. And today, if you'll allow me to, I just want to share with you some of the things that helped me so that my mind was stayed upon Christ I don't know what you're going through today. 
I may be speaking to just one person today that feels lonely, that feels like things are just falling apart, that maybe feels like you're trying to hold on and you're not sure what tomorrow's going to hold. I want you to know this, you're not alone. You're not alone not because I understand, you're not alone because Jesus Christ is there with you. His word will comfort you. His word will help you. What I have found through that horrible experience that I went through in my own life is this. The answers that I needed, the foundation that I needed, what helped me through that most difficult time in life was the word of God. The truth that I found in the word of God. I've said this over the last couple days in different uh, settings We don't make decisions based upon feelings. We make decisions based upon truth. It is so important that you today understand what truth is and determine this, that the word of God is truth. And no matter what comes your way, you will believe truth. Because my feelings were all over the place. My feelings were, were, were hurtful. My feelings were dangerous. My feelings were, were of despair. And my feelings were uh, uh, accusing and feelings of shame. But I come back to truth. And it was the truth of the word of God that sustained me. That helped me. In any place you find yourself, whether it's where you're at today, feeling hopeless or despair or into the future, if you were ever, ever to come to a place where you would say, I don't understand what's happening, I don't understand this, this, this feeling, I don't understand this, this hopelessness, I want you to know this and I want you to remember this, come back to the truth of the word of God and find help. Peter says this, finally, Be all of one mind. Our mind, I want to talk to you today in the time that I have, I want to talk to you about your mind, about your thoughts. Our mind, number one, and how we form our thoughts. How do we form our thoughts? How do we form these things when sometimes our mind can play tricks on us? Sometimes our mind isn't always the healthiest. Sometimes we can't, we can't understand even what we're thinking and what we're going through. We have feelings that we don't even know words for. I believe this, that these Christians that Peter is writing to, they're at a place of despair. They're at a place, maybe some even at a place of confusion. What do we do with all of this? We, we heard the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ and we put our faith in that and we believe in that. Why are we having so much trouble? Why are we having so many problems? Why are we enduring suffering? And Peter gives this statement, be of one mind. That mind, students, is this, that mind is the mind of Christ. It's the mind of Christ. What he is what he is recognizing is this, we must have the mind of Christ if we are going to endure. We must have the mind of Christ in this life. Go with me, if you would please, to 1 Peter chapter number 1. 1 Peter chapter number 1, verse number 13. Peter is writing to, this, to, these, to these strangers, these that are, are Christians now living in this world. They're, they're, they're trying to figure out life. He says, wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. 
as obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lust in your ignorance, but as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation, because it is written, be ye holy, for I am holy. You know, we're not to give our thoughts over to the things of this world, to the lust of this world, to the desires of this world. This world is doing everything that it can to capture your mind. This world is doing everything it can to capture the thoughts of your mind. It wants to tell you what to think. It wants to tell you what to feel. It wants to tell you what to do. It's leading you astray. It's leading you to a place of confusion. It's leading you to a place of shame. This is what Satan's tactic is. To control your thoughts, to control your mind, to get you confused, to get you to doubt, to get you to fear. But Peter is reminding the believer that we can have a sound mind because our mind is to be the mind of Christ. Our thoughts are to be the thoughts upon Christ. Our, our thinking and our way of living ought to be centered around the word of God in the Lord Jesus Christ. He shares with us there's unity in Christ. There's unity in Christ in his word. Now how does our mind think? And these are some thoughts for myself that I had to come to and I had to begin to implement these thoughts in my mind and discipline myself during that time to, to, to think upon things of Christ and think upon the mind of Christ. Look with me at verse number eight again. Finally, be of one mind having compassion one of another. You see, if we're going to have the right thoughts, if we're going to have the mind of Christ, then we must have compassion or sympathy or, or care considering someone else's misfortune or pain. You know what this past year has done for me in my heart? It's caused me to be more sensitive to people. It's caused me to stop. It's caused me to slow down. It's caused me to take time for people and their needs. I recognize this as I got alone with the Lord. I recognized my life was going too fast. I had too many things going on. I was too busy. I had too many things that I want to accomplish in life. I wanted to, to build a church. I, I wanted to build a name. I, I wanted to do great things for God. And, and I was letting the things that God was putting right in front of me pass by. My oldest daughter, you don't know who she is, and so I'll tell on her. She, she had a boy in high school that she really enjoyed seeing. We have this rule that you're not allowed to date in high school. Honestly, that rule, I know it doesn't really mean much. I couldn't stop her from liking him. I always found him around. We just made ourselves feel good that we said our kids can't date in high school. <laughs> it's about the, the gist of it. After high school, the day after she graduated, this boy came over to our house and said, hey, you're allowed to date now. Do you want to, do you want to, I don't know what you ask somebody. Do you want to go out or whatever it is? And she said, no. She said, let's just be friends. And so they were friends all summer long and then they went their separate ways. He went to one college and she went to another college. And she said to my wife, not long after he left, she said, I made a mistake. I really love this guy. 
And so my wife and her formulated a plan and said, all right, let's, uh, let's do this. When he gets home from, from uh, uh, college for the, for the winter break, why don't you see if you can drive up to the airport with his mom, pick him up and, and see him and then spend some time with him and tell him how you feel. And she said, that's a great plan. And, and so she went up to the airport and she came home and she said, I told him how I feel. And he told me this, I thought we weren't together and I thought you weren't interested, so I've moved on. And my wife said to me, she's really upset. Well, I've learned, I've got four girls. I learned when four girls are upset in my house, you just let them go, let mom deal with them. Dad has no answers. I just leave. But my wife said to me this, you need to talk to her. Talk to my daughter about love life? No, thank you. I'd rather put my finger in the uh, garbage disposal and turn it on. So everyone was gone. It was just her, and she came walking in the door, and she had that look on her face like the end of the world. I said, hi. She said, huh, and she went upstairs. And I said, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to be dad of the year. I'm going to go fix all of her problems. I walked in her room. She's sitting there on her bed crying. I sat down on her bed. And I said, I have no idea how to talk to a 19-year-old girl that's in love. I patted her on her head. I said, it's going to be okay, babe. And I got out of there as quick as I possibly could. (laughs) And that's all I said. And I'm walking down the stairs, and I said to myself, you lousy dad. Your daughter's hurting. I could fix anybody else's problems. People would come to me with their marriage issues, and I'd give them advice, and they'd leave, and their marriage would be better. And there's the daughter that, God put in my life, and I didn't know what to say. It broke my heart. God has placed people in your life, and all of us would do better to be compassionate toward them. Sometimes life can get too busy. We're running to the next thing. We're running to the next event. We're in a rush and we're trying to to build our dreams and trying to to build this, this tower so that our name can be large and everyone can know who we are. But we're we're missing the opportunity to just love the people that God has placed right in your life. And God smote my heart. He said, if it was any other young girl in the church that would come to your office and ask you for advice, you'd sit with them and you'd have all the answers. But your own daughter, you're awkward and you're not sure what to say. And I realized this. It's because I was giving time to everyone else. I'm not giving time to the people that God placed in my own life. And when they needed me most, I didn't know how to talk to them.
God has slowed things down in my life. He's caused me to consider others. I thought of Jesus at the well when he went and he said, I need to go through Samaria. And his disciples didn't understand and nobody else would understand. But Jesus knew there was a hurting lady there that nobody else loved. She had five husbands and the one she was living with wasn't even her husband. She had to go out in the middle of the day to get water because the women in the city would mock her, make fun of her. Nobody wanted to be with her. Jesus did. Jesus did. You see, that to have the mind of Christ, to allow him to take over our thoughts, to think upon what Christ would do, it's having compassion. He says this in verse number 17, love his brethren. Forgive. I didn't realize this. I was holding on to things. I was mad at people, and I didn't remember why I was mad at people. You can't hold on to bitterness, and you can't hold on to to, uh, uh, hurt, and you can't hold on to an unforgiving spirit and have a sound mind. You can't love when you're not willing to forgive. And maybe there's some here today that you're holding on to something. And maybe you say that you don't understand. That person, that person did this to me. And they were wrong. Listen to me, they might be wrong. But you can still forgive. I was reminded as I searched for answers in God's word that Jesus Christ forgave me when I was dead in trespasses and sin, when I didn't deserve it. When I was full of sin, Jesus Christ forgave me. I realized I was holding on to things that I needed to forgive. Love is brethren, considering one another, putting others first, showing kindness. We live in a world where everything's about you. Have it your way. Do what you want to do. Make life worth living for yourself. That's anti-Bible. That's anti-the mind of Christ. Each and every one of us had a, ought to have the mind of Christ that is compassion, that is sympathy for others, considering one another, considering someone else's misfortune, considering someone else's pain. Loving as brethren, forgiving, considering one another, accepting of one another, showing kindness to someone. I was walking through dinner last evening. Four winds, I think it is, and fellow came up to me and said, I enjoyed your message. Do you want to eat lunch, eat dinner with us? And um, I said, no, no. I I had my daughter and her friend with me and I, they only had one seat, so we weren't able to do that. But I walked away and I thought to myself, well, he made my day. He was kind. It's just a simple act encouraged me. Peter says this, be pitiful or tenderhearted. Be nice to someone today. You know what this has caused me to, re- to, to, to realize this? People are hurting all around us. There's people in this room that are hurting. There's people in this room that are going through 
terrible things. There's hurt back at your home. There's hurt back at your church. There's hurt with a sibling. They're going through situations in life and you're supposed to just put a mask on and just move forward and pass college and, and pretend everything's okay. There needs to be someone here today in the student body that can see that in someone and be tender-hearted toward them and be a friend to them and be like Christ. This world wants you to be confused. This world wants to capture your thoughts and capture your attention, but Christ wants to give you peace. Christ wants to give you comfort. Peter challenges these believers to be courteous or to be humble. You know what these events in my life has caused me to do? Be humble. I'm a nobody. But I need God. humble mind like Christ has. He humbled himself. He went to the cross. He took your sin and my sin so that we could be redeemed back to God. It doesn't matter the achievements I've made in life. It doesn't matter the things that I, it doesn't matter the size of the church I pastor. It doesn't matter if I get invited to preach any place. What matters is this. Am I humble before the Lord? See, these are the characteristics of a mind of Christ. And these are all characteristics that you and I must have in our life so that we could have one mind, a mind of Christ. This is what this world needs. This world needs each and every one of us to have one mind, to be in one accord, so that we can go out to a lost and dying world and show them a wondrous Savior that loves them died for them. To the struggling today, I want you to know this, there's hope. There's hope because this word endures forever and this book is truth. You're going to get through it. Depend on this book. Depend on the Lord. You've been listening to a message from Pensacola Christian College Chapel. You're welcome to pass this sermon along to others. Please don't charge for it or alter it without written permission from Pensacola Christian College. For additional information about PCC, visit us online at pcci.edu. Pensacola Christian College, empowering Christian leaders to influence the world for Christ.